Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The following program has been pre-recorded. Thanks for tuning in this weekend to Let's Talk Portland. Odyssey Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. On the show this time, I would like to welcome Dr. Brian Bell with Providence Cancer Institute and also Dan Floyd, Chief Operating Officer for Hood to Coast. Hey there, guys. Welcome to Let's Talk Portland. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good Thank you for having us. So, uh, Dan, I thought we'd get started with you today, and uh, maybe you can let us know what the connection between Providence Cancer Institute and Hood to Coast is. Yeah, no problem. There's a ton of history with Hood to Coast, and we can get into that if you'd like. Uh, but specific to the the connection, it, it started in the early 2000s when the the founder of Hood to Coast was diagnosed with cancer. He is he's healthy and and doing well, uh, but he he like many other people had an immediate connection to cancer research, treatment, support services. And also had a platform, a platform that is something that people from all 50 states and 40 plus countries followed. So there was an opportunity to raise money for um, for cancer research. And like I said, it started in the early 2000s, but it quickly moved towards the Providence Cancer Institute. I think partly because of our own awareness as a as a company and an organization, but also the the really the evolution of the province cancer institute here locally in oregon so we really quickly recognize that there's a world-class institution right here in our own backyard and that the funds that we raised didn't have to leave the state and uh, it was something that we became very proud of that we could we could be part of the province cancer institute raise money from the participants and keep it right here in the state where the, where the course, the 200 mile course travels and know that we're giving back directly to our community, but also in a way that impacts the world. And so the, the, the decision isn't, the decision wasn't made to give back because we wanted to tell people it stays local. It's not only stays local, but it gives back to a world-class institution that Dr. Bell is part of leading. Excellent. Well, Dr. Bell, let me ask you, the Providence Cancer Institute was founded about 30 years ago. What led to that, that establishment? Well, well, thanks. And um, uh, thanks, Dan, for, for being here and, and for all of your support over the years. Um, uh, you know, it was really uh, founded on the vision of Walter Erba, who's our, who's our director, has been for, for 30 years. And he was recruited by Providence leaders uh, almost 30 years ago now. Um, 
specifically for building a cancer research center within uh, a system of community hospitals in, to serve Oregonians. Um, and the unique thing about Dr. Erba's vision was building a cancer research center that was focused on immunotherapy or boosting the immune system to fight cancer. This was really a novel kind of far out um, idea at the time. Um, and the, the concept was to, in part because nobody thought that immunotherapy or boosting the immune system would work to kill cancer. And, and, and the idea was to, to create a center where scientists and clinicians work together side by side to translate new discoveries from the lab directly to the clinic as quickly as possible where they can uh, where they can benefit patients and and to do it not in some far off um, uh, center somewhere but right in the sidewalks of the communities in which our cancer patients live and I think that's what um, what made it quite uh, quite uh, quite novel um, it, it, and I think we're, we're proud and all Oregonians should be proud of of our accomplishments in in, uh, in drug development and and cancer research in particular um, many of you uh, know uh, of the story of, uh, of Brian Drucker's work with um, with the development of Gleevec and uh, and the first targeted therapy but what's less known is um, uh, dr. Erba's work on uh, the development of ipilimumab and uh, this was the um, the first um, clinical trial, one of the most impactful clinical trials in the history of medicine, I would say, um, that tested a type of immunotherapy called ipilimumab. Uh, and this was a drug that, uh, an immunotherapy that was used to treat metastatic melanoma. And uh, this was a disease that was almost uniformly fatal at the time. And in fact, 15 years ago, things were so bad for a patient with metastatic melanoma that the standard of care was essentially a clinical trial because there was widespread recognition that nothing much made a difference. Well, ipilimumab worked, and it ushered in the development of other immunotherapies. And today, more than 50% of all patients with metastatic melanoma are alive and well five years later. And that is a truly seismic advancement in the war on cancer. And that was, uh, it was translated from the bench to the bedside through clinical trials in which Oregonians often had the first right of refusal. So it's, um, uh, it's quite an accomplishment. I'd say so. That's, that's pretty amazing. Science wins. <laughs> uh, Dr. Bell, can you share some, insights, right. share some insights into current trends or approaches to cancer treatment? Sure. Well, well we and others have, you know, the, problem with, the only problem with immunotherapy um, is that not enough patients respond uh, and benefit. When they do, um, they often do get lasting benefit, and a few even uh, with advanced state cancer can be cured. But the field is really now working towards improving response rates. So identifying biomarkers that might predict response, developing new targets uh, uh, in the immune system um, uh, to, um, uh, to stimulate or to shut down that might uh, favorably impact uh, uh, response rates and improve survival. So um, one of the things that we are, uh, we and others are, are currently working on is a type of immunotherapy called adoptive cellular therapy. And in this approach, we use immune cells within the tumor, cells that are called tumor infiltrating lymphocytes or TIL, T-I-L. Uh, they're kind of like the body's warriors against cancer. And, and we use them as kind of a living drug. We take a piece of, uh, of tumor from wherever it might be accessible. Um, uh, we isolate those TIL, those tumor infiltrating lymphocytes, in the laboratory. 
Uh, we then culture them and expand them to billions of times and then give them back to a patient um, as, as a drug, often with another immunotherapy uh, uh, cited. And in, in yet another milestone for the cancer community, for cancer patients, just last week, the FDA approved adoptive cell therapy with TIL for patients with metastatic melanoma whose cancer had progressed on other, other immunotherapies. And, you know, once again, this was a, a great example of Oregonians having access to uh, a, a potentially life-saving therapy years before it became widely available. Are these treatments and therapies, uh, do they work on all types of cancers or are these uh, for specific types? Well, that's, that's a great question. So uh, we learned pretty quickly uh, uh, that um, they don't work equally as well on all types of cancer. For example, immunotherapy, as I mentioned, is a very effective ther therapy for patients with uh, melanoma, with renal cell carcinoma, um, and a few others. Um, and, and the commonality seems to be um, the, the number of, often the number of mutations within a cancer um, that are essentially targets for the immune system. So the more of these mutations, the more targets, the better chance the immune system has to um, recognize and respond to the cancer. So, the, um, uh, so some cancers, uh, and the, the cancers that respond well, we tend to call hot cancers, because they're loaded with these immune cells. Um, but some cancers... Are, are what we call cold cancers, and, and they have a paucity of immune cells, sometimes no immune cells. And those are the ones that uh, we really struggle um, to get responses from. A, a great example of that, um, uh, those types of cancers, is um, pancreatic cancer, um, which, as most people know, is uh, r remains a a really deadly disease. And so one of the ways we're, we're um, focused on that is making our immune cells smarter. Um, and, and I mentioned the adoptive cell therapy approach or these, these TIL. Well, um, our, our current work is, is focused on engineering these cells. So um, rather than taking them from the tumor itself, we can harvest them from the blood, genetically engineer them in the lab to express um, a, a certain receptor that recognizes specific mutations in the tumor, we call them neoantigens, and then uh, and then we expand those engineered cells billions of times and infuse them back into a patient. And and in yet another milestone uh, in the field of oncology, again coming out of Oregon, um, uh, uh, we showed uh, just about a year and a half ago a durable tumor remission for, for a patient with metastatic pancreatic cancer using this gene-engineered approach. This is the first time in history that had been shown. We published that in the New England Journal, uh, made global headlines, um, and uh, the, uh, uh, that gave us, uh, I think, um, uh, real assurance that this approach is, in fact, a, um, uh, a promising way forward. And so uh, currently our, at Providence, our director of Experimental cellular therapy, Ron, Ron Leidner, uh, Eric Tran, who we recruited out of uh, the NIH a, a few years ago, um, uh, he and, uh, they and others are, uh, are working really hard on developing other more personalized approaches to, to cellular therapy. Um, in fact, currently we have, a, we have a clinical trial that's, um, that's using slightly different approach that isolates only mutation-specific TIL for adoptive transfer, and, and, uh, and this is a slightly nuanced but uh, 
but equally as promising approach. We're talking today with Dr. Brian Bell with Providence Cancer Institute. And Dr. Bell, we talked a little bit ago about how the uh, Cancer Institute was developed or founded about 30 years ago. You've told us some great advancements that have been made in the last few years, but can you kind of compare and contrast uh, that those 30 years? What's what's transpired over those 30 years? Um, well, it's uh, it's it's remarkable. Um, if you if you look at the state of cancer in, say, the early 90s, um, uh, not only have advancements in therapy improved things, but especially um, uh, population based uh, smoking cessation and screening efforts for early detection have, have substantially reduced the death rate, and we've had we've seen a 35 percent reduction in uh, in death from cancer since the early 1990s, and 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 that is really unprecedented. And uh, I think we have a lot to be a uh, lot to be proud of, but we've got to do better. There are still far too many patients. Um, that don't benefit from existing therapies, uh, and there is an equitable uh, access to those therapies. So um, I'll, uh, I'll give you a couple examples of, of way we're trying to um, uh, to address both of those um, beyond just uh, drug discovery and and, uh, and developing uh, new approaches. We're moving existing approaches uh, into earlier stages of the of the disease. Um, for example, giving them prior to surgery in the so-called curative setting so that we can, that more patients can benefit and fewer patients will recur and get to that advanced stage where, um, where it's so difficult to, to cure them. Uh, you know, if you think about it, for, for too long, we have relied on cutting tumors out with a knife. And, and I'm a surgeon. And so that's that's what that's what I do. That's what I've trained to do. Um, uh, but we've got to we've got to move uh, forward. Sure, our surgery is less invasive than it used to be. Our reconstruction is more elegant, but that doesn't change the fact that far too many um, uh, patients uh, are substantially affected by. Uh, uh, extirpative surgery. So a woman's body, for example, is often irrevocably changed after the treatment for breast cancer. Um, uh, parts of a bowel are rerouted during treatment for colon cancer. Sometimes life is never the same. Imagine for a minute if surgery, or at least the sometimes more mutilating form of surgery, no longer had to exist. If instead, with the right biomarker and the right immunotherapy, most or all of the cancer went away and you didn't need surgery at all. Uh, and this is the promise of, of what we call neoadjuvant immunotherapy or preoperative immunotherapy. And this is what we and others are, are working on. It's very excited. The, the other issue, as I mentioned, is, is um, equitable access. Um, and, um, uh, and we've got to, um, we, we know um, that far too many um, uh, patients do not have access to the same uh, to the same treatment or um, or access to clinical trials. There are inequities in uh, um, uh, in how um, patients from rural areas uh, uh, are uh, are able to access these therapies um, and um, uh, from uh, other economic and ethnic minorities um, uh, are also having difficulties with access, and we've got to overcome some of these uh, some of these gaps. Um, you know, at, at Providence, 
We're committed to serving all, especially the poor and vulnerable, um, promoting patients' quality of life through uh, an array of, of patient and caregiver support programs. We've got to bring these trials um, into our rural communities uh, and into our, um, uh, our areas where they're more difficult to access. We're talking today with Dr. Brian Bell uh, with the Providence Cancer Institute. And also with us is Dan Floyd, Chief Operating Officer with Hood to Coast. Hey there, Dan, let's bring you back in and, and have you talk about how does Hood to Coast contribute to cancer awareness and fundraising and how much have you guys uh, raised for the Providence Cancer Institute? Thank you for asking. I First, just to clarify that, that it's the participants and the volunteers that, that raise the money. They, they do the hard work just like just like we don't, we don't run or, or walk the race for people. We don't raise the money for them, but we provide a platform and we, we give our own, our own time, our own, and some, and some give their own money. Uh, but really it's just, an, it's an opportunity to raise money for something that we believe in and what Dr. Bell is doing and Dr. Erba and Dr. Fox and others who do such a good job at relaying the message and making it so people like you and I who are not in the medical field can understand what we're doing and, and see the progress that is being made. So I think, and Dr. Belkin, I don't know if you want him to speak to this, but he can, as far as participating in the race, you know, that, that it's a, it's a challenge and it's, it's just like many things in life. The, the running the race can be difficult, the, the training, the dedication and going through an experience that, that is not easy, but doing it with other people and not only fulfilling your own goals, but doing something that helps support other people complete something that is difficult, creates a bond and it creates, creates a memory, something you have in your head forever, but also kind of can train you in other areas of life to, to move through difficult things or some, some adversity and not to say that running a race is the same as curing cancer or cancer treatment, but it does train that some of that, those, that adversity, uh, our participants know that they know they can do difficult things and they do difficult things and they're moved by what Dr. Bell is doing. And so our organization, because we have such a popular event, we're able to sell out that event and then we're able to put as two times as many people participate in the race are on a waiting list attempting to get into the race. Wow. So they have an opportunity. <laughs> so this, so one, the one, when it comes to raising money for Providence, it's a, it's a, economical thing it's a supply and demand issue that we hold back a certain amount of teams and we say if you'd like to participate in the event you can but now it's going to be a twelve thousand dollar minimum commitment to the province cancer institute but what we find when that happens is that people make that commitment and that money comes in pretty fast because they're moved by what dr bell is saying and they believe in the mission and it becomes less about participating in a race and it becomes a hell of a lot more about finding a cure for cancer and the, the positive statistics that Dr. Bell talks about, but also the motivation to do better. And so you set a $12,000 goal and most of those teams fly past their goal. $12,000 ends up not being enough for them. Wow. So they easily reach their goal. And, and because of that, most years we've raised over $900,000 this year, just like the last few years, our goal has been a million dollars. And we, we, it's not that we fall short. We uh, the participants do a great job raising that money and they end up in the high nine hundreds. But I do think this year, 2024, will be the year that the that we provide a platform and messaging and we encourage participants participants to raise money. But this will be the year that the participants will raise over a million dollars. And again, 100% of that stays locally and it goes to support what Dr. Bell has been saying. That's fantastic. Dan, for somebody listening, could you explain what Hood to Coast is? I guess we should get that out there. 
Yeah, good. All right, good. <laughs> good question. Yes, it is a relay race. I'm gonna. I'll dumb it down. It's a relay race that that starts at Timberline Lodge in Mount Hood and extends or goes 200 miles down Highway 26 through the through the city of Portland and then through the coastal mountains ending in the on the north coast in seaside oregon so 200 miles 12 participants on each team each runner or walker well runner would run three legs varying in, in distance so you can you can do the math on that 200 miles divided by 12 people it's roughly 18 miles per person so it's, it's quite the feat it takes the average team about 30 30 hours to complete it uh, but you you get to you get to see and experience the teamwork the, you, you get to build memories and you see, and, and we are allowed, we get to showcase 200 beautiful miles of Oregon with some diverse terrain and diverse scenery. Like I said, mountains, tall mountains, the city, and then some coastal mountains, which is different. And of course, ending at the Pacific ocean. So it's a long relay race with 20,000 participants. It started in 1982 with 80 participants, more as something that would just be fun. And as it, it has evolved, into the most popular and longest relay race in the world. And annually we put 40,000 people on a waiting list and it's allowed us to expand that mission. It's a company, but it's also allows us to spread that mission of getting the world to move as far away as China, Taiwan, Israel, Europe. And, and we have 40 plus events throughout the States and throughout the world, mostly in, mostly in the United States, but in three continents and five countries. Wow. When is Hood Coast this year? When is it? It is August 24th and 25th. Okay. Uh, Dan, have you, have you done Hood to Coast? <laughs> Greg, uh, yes. Long before <laughs> I ever worked here, I participated twice. I am a uh, much different participant th- these days. I, I didn't, like many Hood to Coast runners, you, you get asked with short, short amount of time to prepare. And that was me 10, 12 years ago. And uh, now I'm um, an avid runner um runner walker mover and uh like i said I, I think our entire office wants to get the world to move that's our mission but i think we're also living it doing it um others like dr bell are are participating by uh, being the charity of choice but like i said he he's also participating in the race enthusiastically and um is that true dr I, bell <laughs> that is <laughs> What's that experience like for you? Tell me, Dr. Bell, what's, what's the experience of doing Hood to Coast? What is it like? Uh, it, it, it is absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, and I, I liken, uh, I liken the uh, research for curing cancer is uh, like Hood to Coast, less, less more of a sprint and, and more of a relay race, relying on a bunch of, bunch of different people. You know, it, it's, it, it's, um, it, it's a pretty unique experience um, uh, to, to do the race 200 miles, uh, you know, over mountains, down a mountain, through, through the city, in the middle of the summer. Um, you're usually in a van with, um, anywhere from six or more people. Uh, everyone's, uh, uh, tired, sweaty, um, from different backgrounds, different, uh, um, uh, work, you know, different parts of, of life. And, um, and you're all there. Uh, with a shared goal, uh, and that is finishing the race and, and, um, and, you know, hopefully, um, uh, benefiting, uh, the charity of their choice. And, uh, it, it really is a, a um, uh, uh, like any team sport, 
Um, it's one where you celebrate each other's uh, small victories. Um, uh, you lean on each other when you're having problems and, um, uh, and, and uh, you know, post each other at the end of it when it's, when it's all done. And I have to say I've done it, I think, four times, and it's been one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. And, um, Dan, I'm so appreciative of, of you and your team for putting on such an incredible race. We also got to give a shout out for all of the volunteers and Dan can, um, can, can speak to this. I mean, uh, you can imagine, uh, the organization that it takes to put on a relay race down, um, a major highway through a major city to the coast in the middle of the summer. Um, it's a logistical, um, uh, um, nightmare. Uh, so, um, the, the <laughs> fact that Dan and his team, uh, do it with such, uh, uh, with such excellence and pull it off is really remarkable. I think that's great. Dan, as we wrap up here, let us know how we can get more information about hood to coast. Hood to coast.com. And really, like I said earlier, it's, it's about the, the race series and it's about the, all the different events that are on hood to coast.com. The, the big hood to coast race that we, keep discussing is sold out usually 11 months in advance, but the, the, the point is to get the world to move, get out and move and um, take part in those benefits of physical and mental health that, that come with being able to move. And it's, it's not, not just running, walking, it can be cycling, but just get out and experience life move. And uh, with the Ducos comes the connection to family and friends and like I keep saying, lifelong memories, and that's important. So go to hoodtocoast.com and, and join us. Excellent. This has been a great conversation, guys. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. We've been talking today with Dr. Brian Bell with Providence Cancer Institute and Dan Floyd with Hood to Coast. Thanks again, guys. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just search for Let's Talk Portland on the Odyssey app. Let's Talk Portland is an Odyssey Portland public affairs program. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.